folks, welcome back to another episode of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. It's episode 188 this week, and it is also the release of Ubuntu 2204.2, the latest point release in uh, the 2204 long-term support release. We'll be discussing a bit more about that later. Plus, I saw a really cool blog post from Trailer Bits diving into vulnerability that they found in uh, Chiffin, a cool little command line utility, not used very often anymore, but set your ID root, and yeah, nice little vulnerability there. So I wanted to dive into that as well, but... First, let's do the usual roundup of security fixes that have gone into the supported Ubuntu releases for the past week. So this week, uh, the team addressed 75 unique CVEs across a variety of packages. We had an update for NSS for a couple of our extended security maintenance releases, so 14.04 and 6.04. Uh, so that is a couple of different vulnerabilities fixed there. We then had a bunch of kernel updates. As always, the kernel team does all the heavy lifting on these, backporting all the patches, uh, obviously figuring out which ones need to go where and making sure that all aligns and obviously doing all the work to build them and test them and everything. So yeah, thank you all for all of that because a lot of the work they do really is just security updates. There's not necessarily a lot of kind of functional updates that go into the kernels. So yeah, thank you uh, to everyone involved in that. Um, so yeah, because of the vast number of CVEs here, I just thought I'd dig into the kind of more higher priority ones. Uh, in particular, there was a use after free in Bluetooth subsystem in uh, the L2 cap uh, handshake implementation. Uh, being in the handshake, it's likely that an unprivileged uh, remote, but obviously locally uh, proximate user might be able to use that uh, to trigger in this case, being an out-of-bounds read, it's the kind of thing you could use to potentially crash the kernel because you can read outside of mapped memory or you can potentially read memory uh, that wasn't intended to be read and therefore leak stuff. And being yeah, a, a network protocol, you can therefore leak content to that back to the attacker. They could then use that obviously to try to you know, escalate privileges or similar. Uh, it's also the kind of thing you could imagine that even a local user could use because, hey, they could uh, turn on Bluetooth and then uh, therefore attack it themselves. So yeah, that one has been fixed for a bunch of kernels. Plus, uh, there was a stack buffer overflow in the handling of syscalls. So this is uh, various different uh, kind of parameters that can be used to tune the kernel. And it had uh, sort of a bug in the way that it handled a reading of that input from the user. Uh, it's the kind of thing generally that you need to be rooted to be able to set these things. However, uh, with the uh, addition of user namespaces, you can be root within a user namespace even though you are an unprivileged user in general. And with unprivileged user namespaces, obviously any unprivileged user can create one and get into there as root and therefore trigger this kind of bug. That's uh, the kind of thing, obviously, if you disable unprivileged username spaces, hey, you are now protected against these kind of exploits. And yeah, another reason why we want to try to turn off the use of unprivileged username spaces at some point in Ubuntu and kind of, uh, well, I guess turn them turn them off in general, but turn them on uh, where they're needed. Uh, so yeah, that one uh, was the ability then obviously to corrupt memory, so ability to crash the kernel, possibly execute arbitrary code or elevate privileges as a result. Uh, so yeah, we had some uh, um, more kernel updates. Uh, another one here was uh, a buffer overflow in uh, the in-kernel NFSD implementation, so the NFS file server implementation. This is uh, pretty new in the kernel. It's only in more recent kernel versions, uh, so it's the kind of thing you also have to obviously turn on and opt into, so not necessarily being used by many people, but uh, being a buffer overflow, again, the kind of thing that could be used uh, by, in this case, obviously a remote attacker being NFS because the network file system uh, to therefore S uh, elevate privileges or you know get code execution within your kernel as root so that's been fixed too 
moving on from kernel updates, we had an update for the Go text package. This is a Go library for text processing, as the name might uh, you know, suggest, in particular for handling of things like Unicode. And actually, as we see often, uh, Unicode or kind of these very low-level um, kind of byte-by-byte -byte type formats, and obviously Unicode is one of those, um, and has various different encodings and the way you can encode it as you know, different formats within buffer, and you have to kind of parse byte-by-byte you know, -byte or whatever it is. Uh, it can be very easy to get that wrong. And in this case, it had a bunch of different vulnerabilities. Uh, there was one which was a CPU-based denial of service. So it was a possible infinite loop that could be triggered through crafted content. Uh, and then there was a heap of other kind of runtime uh, denial of service based issues where you could essentially trigger like an out of bounds read type issue but uh, Go, uh, unlike something like C where it will just go and happily read outside of the bounds of that, Go panics it knows you know the bounds of the different slices and so it will therefore panic on that and not allow you to do that but that's obviously then a exits the program and therefore is a denial of service in a, in a different way um, and uh, one of the things I guess I would point out for uh, you know those of you playing at home is that often in our uh, Ubuntu security notices we list the packages that are affected and those are the binary packages so in Ubuntu we have what are called split packages which is where there's say one upstream project uh, maybe it's something like uh, what comes to my mind is Emacs which uh, provides obviously the Emacs binary package that you can install but in that comes a package called emacs and common that ships a bunch of things that are common to different emacs things and a bunch of other uh, kind of binary packages as well so from this one upstream sort of tarball or source package you then get a bunch of separate binary packages and you know normally in ubuntu with our security notices we list the binary packages that are actually affected so you know maybe uh, it's a library package and so then we will list just that you know libfoo package that is affected by that not necessarily say the libfoo-dev package which is you know part of libfoo but you know contains the bits let's say that is uh, required like header files and the like if you're compiling against that but not obviously if you're just using that at runtime and so you know normally these dash dev packages uh, don't get mentioned in usns however it does in this case which is a quirk of the way that go packages are done in uh, debian and hence ubuntu so in most packages they don't uh, bundle all of their you know dependencies there that's why we have say just one version of i don't know um libgcc in uh, the archive and everything uses that and that way then if there's a vulnerability in gcc we patch that once in the one libgcc package and then everything benefits Similarly, though, uh, or unfortunately, with Go packages, they uh, can all use, say, the one um, you know, original library, but they all statically link that. And that then means when we go and update, say, a Go package like this, we then have to go and rebuild all of those dependencies because uh, they have statically linked the uh, older vulnerable version inside them. And so yeah, thanks uh, in particular to Eduardo on our team for preparing all of those rebuilds and for Mark Delorio for sponsoring those. Yeah, not uh, easy to send. You know, we, normally we update one package for one vulnerability. In this case, we updated one package for a bunch of vulnerabilities and then had to rebuild you know, like 20 other packages as a result. Uh, but they've now been fixed. Uh, and yeah, sort of a bit of a wider impact this one because uh, this library is used for things like uh, parsing of HTTP headers and the likes, a pretty common thing. Uh, moving on, we had updates for uh, some web browsers, so both Firefox and Chromium uh, in our older releases. So Firefox for 18.04 and 20.04 long-term support 
15 different CVs there, updating to the latest 110.0 release, and that fixes various memory corruption vulnerabilities, plus some logic issues which could allow uh, the bypassing of things like uh, your same origin policies and the like. Uh, Chromium, a very similar thing, 13 vulnerabilities rolled into that, and that is just for our 1804 long-term support release because uh, in later versions of Ubuntu, Chromium is shipped as a snap, and hey, that auto-updates. Um, and that is also actually the 110, uh, but .0.5481.100 release from uh, the Upstream Chromium project. And very similarly, has a bunch of different memory corruption vulnerabilities fixed there, and similarly, you know, the ability to things like bypass same origin policy and the like as well. So yeah, if you were visiting, uh, I guess, various... Uh, untrusted or malicious websites with uh, those older versions of uh, Firefox or Chromium, you're a little bit safer now. And for the last few things, uh, we've got some updates for our uh, couple of releases that are now in extended security maintenance, so 14.04 and 16.04 extended security maintenance. For both of those, we had updates for the X server, uh, various possible attacks that you could mount against the X server, uh, things like use after free, uh, stack and heat buffer overflows and the like. Uh, interesting only obviously on these releases that are older X still runs as root on those and so you can therefore have say a local unprivileged user be able to attack the root uh, X server and therefore possibly escalate privileges to root if they can get it to execute you know their own uh, supplied code or similar uh, by corrupting memory and that kind of thing uh, newer versions of Ubuntu uh, X runs uh, unprivileged as a normal user so yeah you can't escalate privileges through X which is kind of cool uh, and yeah the other one was an update for libxpm on uh, 604 extended security maintenance. This is a library for uh, handling of PixMaps uh, under X11. Two of these were CPU-based and all-of-service issues. Basically, you could trigger an infinite loop uh, through parsing of you know, untrusted files. The other one was in the handling of compressed files. So maybe it's a gzip compressed uh, image. It would then call out to the external gunzip binary to uh, decompress that. And so this is an issue, let's say, if you've got uh, a set UID binary that is linking against libxpm, uh, and then you can influence, say, the path environment variable uh, as the untrusted user, so you can set path to be, you know, I don't know, inside your own home directory where you've got now a malicious uh, gunzip binary sitting there. You then call uh, some, you know, utility that's using uh, libxpm that is set UID root, and then it will go and execute your binary uh, as root, which is pretty cool. So yeah, a nice little uh, vulnerability there. And that actually leads into uh, this cool blog post that I wanted to look at next. So, hey, let's take a look at that. So in the show notes, you'll actually find a link to this, but yeah, it's a great write-up uh, from Trailer Bits about uh, this cool bug that they discovered in Chiffin, uh, CHFN, as implemented by the Util Linux package. Uh, in this case, uh, CHFN uh, uses the readline library uh, for input, and that's actually often used by many different uh, command line applications. Uh, but as a result of this, they were able to abuse this bug to be able to read the contents of a root-owned SSH private key as a standard user. And I thought, hey, that's really cool, and it's actually quite specific, but yeah, I like a lot of these things, uh, really informative uh, to learn from as you go and read through it. And so in this case, I guess it's a really good uh, deep dive into the complexities and dangers of using third-party libraries, particularly in privileged components like at, uh, set UID root binaries, like I guess we just kind of mentioned in that uh, libxpm uh, talk through before. And so in this case, the researcher was actually inspired by a previous post they saw from Qualys uh, around, and I think that was in uh, sudo in that case, but uh, they started then looking for other setuid root binaries that uh, used environment variables. So uh, obviously setuid root binaries, uh, any user can execute them and then they run as root. 
environment variables then allows you to specify various bits of information that then make it processed by uh, those binaries. And so you've now got something that is running as root, processing some input that comes to it uh, from an untrusted user. And therefore, if you can get that set UID root binary to change its behavior or potentially to execute some other operation based on that input you've given it, you can then potentially escalate your privileges or similar. And so that's what they started looking for. Uh, they did a bunch of kind of low-level tooling to then go and essentially instrument all the different set UID root binaries and figure out all the times that they called getEnv to look at environment variables. And they found this Chuffin binary, CHFN. Uh, this is a low-level low utility used to set various info about the, you know, the current user. Uh, you can set things like, I don't know, your location and things like that, which is, you know, like, I guess, designed to be used back in the old days by things like Finger and whatnot to go and find what office, you know, someone may have been in, in a uh, like a multi-user system or that kind of thing um, but yeah you know these things still exist on modern Linux systems you know back from the days of Unix uh, and to get the input from the user when it wants to input you know whatever it's trying to you know tell it where it, what office it lives in or whatever it uses the readline library to do that uh, by default, readline then uh, reads a bunch of configuration and it gets that from the input RC environment variable. Helpfully, when readline encounters invalid uh, contents in you know, that configuration file that you've told it via input RC, it goes and prints the contents of that uh, to the screen. And so you can probably see where this is going. If you can then specify a file that you know, looks close enough to being a config file for it to use as input RC, but obviously not so close that it is actually uh, you know, invalid, and it's a file that you can't normally read as a standard user, but hey, can be read by root, and so therefore can be read by this set UID root uh, chiffon as it's running. You can then get it to dump the contents of that file as it tells you how you know invalid that is as an input RC type file. Uh, as it turns out, you know they went through and looked at all the logic of how this was implemented, and they found you know you have to have a certain kind of structure to your you know proposed config file uh, and the one thing that matches that or one you know one particular type of file that matches that is ssh private keys so all you really need to do is set input rc equals you know slash root rot slash dot ssh you know slash id underscore rsa specifying say the rsa private key of root uh, and then you run chiffon and you enter in your own passwords authenticate yourself and boom it goes and helpfully prints you out uh, the contents of root's private uh, key so yeah a cool little bug um, the impact of this though is pretty low uh, the researcher in this case they were uh, you know, they're using arch and they were running this on an arch based system and they found this binary there uh, in most cases though chiffon doesn't come from uh, util linux which was the package that uh, arch uses for that uh, most of the time um, most distros like Ubuntu and Debian and uh, Red Hat and the like, it comes from the password package. Uh, so they are not affected. But yeah, it is really interesting to see uh, that you know these kind of techniques are still useful. And this is one of the things actually that the security team does as part of our uh, main inclusion review security audits. So a few of the things there that we have to particularly look out for are set your ID root binaries and the use of environment variables because these kind of things come up a lot. And obviously when put together, it can be you know quite dangerous. You've got this untrusted input being used by something running as a privileged component. So yeah, uh, really cool to see. So yeah, if you want to know more details of that, like I said, I've got a link uh, in the show notes to that blog post. And I also noticed the trailer bits have actually got some cool other blog posts as well there about some nice cool low-level uh you know exploitation techniques and the like so yeah go go check that out all their stuff is always uh, really good all right so the other thing uh that obviously happened this week is the release of the latest point release for ubuntu 2204 long-term support that's our latest long-term support release it's now 2204.2 
2, the second point release. Uh, this was delayed by a couple weeks due to uh, some new versions of Grub and Shim, like the low-level bootloader components, uh, and to sort of coordinate all of those, and I'll go into that in a minute. Uh, but it does include all the various fixes that have got rolled into the 2204 long-term support release since it came out. So if you are already running 2204 LTS, whether you installed it from the original ISO or the uh, original or the first point release, the dot one release, and you've been regularly installing your updates, you know you actually have all of this. You don't need to go and reinstall to get all of that. But if you are say installing you know a new fleet of machines or whatever, you can use this ISO to get all those updates without having to download them. So that's cool. Um, some of the things that you may notice if you install it from scratch is that Ubuntu Pro is now integrated within uh, like the initial welcome screen. That's called uh, GNOME Initial Setup. So previously, uh, this integrated with uh, Live Patch, so you know you would be able to enroll yourself in Live Patch and get your uh, kernel Live Patches automatically. Now it has all of Ubuntu Pro integrated into it, so that you can easily enroll your machine in Ubuntu Pro, uh, which is free for up to five machines uh, for personal use. Uh, and so yeah, you can easily do that, and then you can then go on and turn on all the different uh, aspects of Ubuntu Pro. So you can you know maybe enroll in ESM Infra, uh, so that once say 2204 long-term support goes uh, out of the LTS period you'll still get security updates plus you can turn on ESM apps so that you get security updates for uh, certain packages in the universe component as well uh, and you can even turn on things like FIPS if you want or uh, maybe say the CIS or, uh, hardening and the, the other bits like that as well so yeah you can get those uh, bits as well through Ubuntu Pro the other thing uh, it does is it has the hardware enablement kernel and other hardware enablement uh, sort of stacks integrated into it. So you get a newer version of the kernel that's now 5.19 and that comes from uh, the current 22.10 interim release, the uh, Kinetic Kudu. So you get all the, I guess, new uh, hardware enablement that comes with that. What else? Uh, kernel and shim and the other bits are now all signed by a new signing key since uh, the old one has now been uh, revoked or deny listed in the latest uh, shim release. Uh, and that's because, you know, at one point that signed a bunch of obviously shim and grub and other uh, things that have since been found to have various vulnerabilities in them. So, yeah, we've now uh, denied that. So, you know, with any luck on more recent uh, machines, you won't be able to boot those old things and therefore be able to potentially get compromised. Uh, you know, what does that take us to? Like boot hole version three or four? Who knows now? But yeah, anyway, so that's now done. Plus, uh, there's a heap of other changes that have gone into that as well. I've got a link to the full list of that. Uh, there's a post on the Ubuntu Discourse about it. If you want to go and find it all, uh, yeah, helpful list of all the different bugs and fixes that have gone into uh, that release. So yeah, that's cool to see too. Uh, I guess the other thing that happened this week too is it's now uh, the current development release, uh, the Lunar Lobster, uh, Ubuntu 2304 has just hit feature freeze. So yeah, uh, with any luck that is starting to stabilize out now and uh, yeah, we'll just be seeing bug fixes and the like going into that too. So if you are on the bleeding edge and running that, yeah, it's probably going to get hopefully a bit more stable going forwards. Okay, and so yeah, uh, I guess that takes us to the end of this week's show. Thanks everyone for listening again, as always. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, you can email us security or you can come and find us in the Ubuntu Security Channel on labera.chat, the IRC network, as uh, one listener helpfully did and came and told us, hey, I much preferred the old format of the podcast where you used to do the security you know, roundup at the start. So yeah, that's why I've gone back to it this week. Thank you uh, for your feedback. Um, or you can come and find us on uh, Mastodon. We are at Ubuntu Security at fosterdon.org there as well. Cool. All right. So I'll be back again with you all next week. But until then, remember, keep calm because we've got your back and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.